720 WGN. It's Amy Guth here in for Pete McMurray. Thanks so much for being with us and sharing part of your Sunday afternoon with me. Always grateful to you for doing that. Well, we have had a busy show. We still got an hour to go. Lots to do. We are joined now by Frederick Frommer. He is the author of several baseball books, including You Gotta Have Heart, which is a history of Washington baseball. He's also the head of sports PR at the Dewey Square Group in Washington, D.C. You've seen his work in the New York Times, Washington Post, Politico, the Atlantic, CNN, all kind of places. Frederick, thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you taking the time. So, you know, talk to us about your book. I think it's any time that, that history intersects with any big topic that we're talking a lot about. It's always a, a fascinating, a fascinating point for me, especially, you know, the, it's been a very, uh, it's been a, a big year for the Washington Nationals. And I'm going to, before you get off the phone, I'm going to ask you about, uh, ask you about what you see in their future. But, but talk to me about the book and, and why you chose them to, to write this big history. Yeah, sure. So uh, the first edition came out when the uh, Expos moved to Washington, and I have a new edition coming out um, in the spring that captures last year's World Series title. Um, the thing I found really interesting about the Washington Senators was actually how, how sad a story it is for the most part. Um, they had some incredible teams in the 1920s and 30s, but um, were pretty bad for, for most of the, the time after that. And then, of course, Washington didn't have a team for 33 years, from 1971 to 2004. So um, it, it was really uh, kind of a long buildup. You know, when Washington won the World Series last year, it was the first time they had won a World Series in 95 years. So not quite as long as the Cubs, uh, <laughs> but uh, pretty long nonetheless. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And and so that that's kind of where I'm curious about the significance of baseball in D.C. I mean, that is the, the politics town. You can feel it in the air every time you're there. It's definitely, that is what's front and center. And here is a, a city that, that didn't have that, that connection to baseball for a long time. And then baseball returned. So what is that role there in D.C.? Well, it, it's a good point that you you make about the politics. Um, you know, uh, for many years, uh, the president and uh, the Washington centers were tied very closely. There's a tradition going back to President Taft of throwing out the first pitch uh, at the opening day. Washington would open the season a day before everyone else. And the way they would do it back then, uh, unlike today when the pitcher when the president goes to the pitcher's mound or wherever throws out the first pitch, does that, the president back then would be sitting in his box and he would throw the ball up for grabs and players from both um, both teams would, would fight for it, kind of like uh, bridesmaids at a wedding. And whoever would get the ball would bring it over to the president. There's actually a funny uh, White Sox connection to this. Uh, a guy named Tim Rivera, who was a White Sox outfielder, um, he wound up getting the ball that President uh, Kennedy threw out um, in the early 60s. And he brought the ball over to Kennedy, and Kennedy scribbled his signature very quickly. And Rivera said, what kind of jungle – so what kind of – his name was Jungle Jim was his, was his nickname. What kind of uh, crap autograph is this? Um, I can't bring him to any bar on the south side. And I was going to believe me, the president signed this. Signed this better. It's so Kennedy laughed the whole time and signed him a new baseball. <laughs> That's a great story. I love stories like that, just like little little snippets of history. That's so interesting. So for this book, you did a lot of interviews with both politicians and sports figures. What stands out to you? Maybe a surprise remark or insight from one of the people that you that you interviewed, or perhaps some uh, surprising overlap between the politics and the sports areas. Well, my favorite story actually is an overlap. Um, it uh, involves an outfielder named Roy Sievers, who was a slugger on the Senators. They were really, really bad uh, at the time. This is in the late 50s. 
And uh, believe it or not, they had a losing streak that had reached like 12 games or something like that. And um, the way Roy Stevens tells the story is that uh, at that time, uh, Richard Nixon was the vice president. And he's in the Soviet Union uh, for the famous uh, kitchen debate uh, with Khrushchev. And but Nixon was a huge baseball fan, and he followed the team even from Moscow, which is not easy to do back then in the era before the Internet. And so um, he called uh, Roy Severs, his favorite player, and he was kind of like, outraged at how bad they were doing and uh you know what's going on with you guys and so he said well we're not hitting we're not pitching you know whatever it is so um nixon said i tell you what um i want you to meet me at the airport when i land uh a day or two and uh so he did and um the players met nixon and and he was kind of shoot him out and asked what was going wrong and he said tell you what i'll be at the ballpark tomorrow night because nixon considered himself a good luck charm in fact they usually won when he was there um but when they got to the ballpark they lost anyway their losing streak hit something like 17 or 18 games before they finally snapped it (laughs) i love that that's a great story what interesting insight (laughs) of things like that um you wrote a piece back in i think november december ish for the washington post about the weird similarities between the beginning and end of D.C.'s baseball woes. Talk to me about that piece, if you would. Yeah, uh, so the 1924 team was the uh, only time that Washington had won a World Series before last year. And um, they both had the, this sort of uh, hold on, on America. The 24 centers, much more so, because uh, the previous three World Series had been New York Yankees or New York Giants. People were sick and tired of seeing New York dominate everything. They liked this young upstart team from Washington, and they really wanted Walter Johnson to finally get a chance to pitch in the World Series. The Nationals weren't quite as the sentimental favorites that the Senators were, but I think that people did kind of rally around them a little bit, especially in the playoffs. Um, you saw quotes from um, sports writers and even a pitcher on the Dodgers after the Do- Dodgers had lost to the Nationals. Um, he sent a tweet out saying uh, how, how glad he was that the Nats won the World Series, saying, if you couldn't beat us, we're glad you, you, you finally won. Um, both teams um, started off really poorly. Uh, the Senators um, were 24 and 26, and everybody probably remembers that the Nationals started out 19 and 31. They both finished the season, believe it or not, 14 and 6 uh, in the last 20 games. And they both had this really great uh, road record, the ability to play on the road. Um, in the um, in the case of the Senators, those last 20 games, believe it or not, were all on the road. They ended the season with a 20 game road uh, road swing, and of course for the uh, the Nationals, it was all in the playoffs. You know, the playoff magic, uh, especially winning those four World Series games on the road, losing three at home. And uh, as you might know, that they became the only team in Major League Baseball history to win a World Series with all four road wins. Not only Major League Baseball, but the only team um, in, in any American sport, including the uh, National Hockey League and the National Basketball Association. That's so interesting. You have so much knowledge about this. You have like great passion for this team. Are you a D.C. native? I'm not. I'm from New York originally. Okay. But I've been say. here about 20 years, so I'm kind of uh, kind of native by now, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Same same with me here in Chicago. I've been here 20 years, so so I call it home. Indeed. Well, I'm going to bring in uh, my producer Curtis Cook. He is also he's the sports producer here at at WGM Radio. So I'm sure he's very keen to jump into this conversation too. So I want to make sure that he can join this conversation too, because he he too is a bit of an encyclopedia of sort of sports knowledge, Curtis. Sure. Yeah. Fred, is there still any sort of possibility that, and I know this was discussed earlier and this probably isn't going to happen anymore, um, but was there still a a chance, because the connection between the Expos organization and the Nationals organization, is there still a chance that there could possibly be uh, a team going back to Montreal at some point? Do you think that's possible? 
I do think it's possible. I think it would be a good thing, actually. Um, you know, the Expos had a really good tradition in Montreal. They had a great following. Um, after a while, the, um, the, the the fan base, you know, was really kind of turned off because they have, there was no radio deal. Uh, the team wasn't on, on the radio. There was no TV deal, I should say. Um, so the fans really couldn't even follow the team on television. Um, they had really bad ownership. And after a while, uh, Major League Baseball wound up taking ownership of the team and running it. So there really wasn't anything that um, anything you'd really hold against the Washington, against the Montreal fans. It was really more about how the team was run. But I think if you put a good team there, um, there is a good chance that it would do well. And there is actually a pretty big effort underway in Montreal to bring a team back. Uh, I think Warren Cromartie, the former Expo star, is involved in it. Um, there are some uh, heavy hitters like Bonfman. So uh, I think it could happen. And, and Commissioner Rob Manford is on record as saying he wants to expand by at least two teams. And he's mentioned Montreal as a viable candidate. And there is a, a Chicago, Chicago connection. Uh, the general manager of the Nationals, Mike Rizzo, is from Chicago. He was a scout for the White Sox. Um, can you talk about the job that he's done? Because he got a little bit of a of criticism when he didn't re-sign Bryce Harper, but instead he went ahead and re-signed his World Series MVP and Steven Strasburg. Um, and not only that, without losing a guy like Bryce Harper, they went on to beat the Astros, who are one of the best teams in baseball this year. Can you just talk a little bit about the job that Mike has done and, and just about how he approached this offseason? Because he also let one of his top stars, Anthony Rendon, walk in free agency as well. Yeah, Rizzo is a real uh, kind of old school uh, baseball type, or uh, you know, a, a long time scout. Um, and it was an interesting contrast between the Astros and the Nationals, in the sense that um, the Astros were this high tech, you know, uh, analytically analytically driven team. They really didn't rely on scouts at all uh, for the most part. I mean, just here and there. I don't even think I think I read that they hadn't even sent scouts to see the the Nats uh, in the playoffs, or maybe it was in, in a previous series. But on the other hand. Um, Rizzo believes very strongly in scouting. He believes in kind of old-school mentality. Not to say that he doesn't believe in analytics, but he doesn't put, I think, quite the premium that a lot of guys do, do, do today. Um, and, you know, it was a big uh, decision to let Bryce Harper go. That might have been more of an ownership call at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, it's worked out well for Washington. Clearly, they won the World Series. Um, and, you know, you really can't argue with Rizzo's track record. Uh, even before this uh, past season when they won the World Series, they've actually mounted very successful teams. You know, they got eliminated in the first round four times in the past decade. Um, and sometimes that's just bad luck or, you know, maybe the team just wasn't built for the playoffs. But they certainly had a very competitive team for all that time. So he's had a really good record. And um, I think he's uh, he could probably run for mayor in this town. <laughs> I love that idea. That's funny. All right. Well, um, we are going to take a little break because I still have many things I want to ask you about. And we're going to uh, just do that real quick. On the other side of this break, more conversation with Frederick Fromer. He is a sports writer and author of the book, You Gotta Have Heart, A History of Washington Baseball. Back here in just a moment on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, it's Amy Guth in for Pete McMurray with you till five o'clock. Where does the time go? We've been just chatting away. So right now we are joined by phone by Frederick Fromer. He is a baseball writer. He writes about all kinds of sports things. And we've been talking about his book, which is a history of the Washington Nationals. It is a really, really interesting book. Anytime history is involved, I'm into this book. So I highly recommend this book. So I appreciate your time with us today, Frederick. I appreciate you taking time out on the weekend to chat for sure. Well, other questions that I have for you. Um, you also work at the Dewey Square Group. You you cover sports business there. Tell me more about that organization and exactly the work that you're doing there. Sure. 
it's a it's a public relations firm in Washington, um, and my uh, focus is on sports clients. So, for example, I work with the uh, main commission on intercollegiate athletics. Uh, another Chicago tie-in, the co-chair of the group is Arnie Duncan. Oh, yeah. um, so they do a lot in college sports reform. Yeah, uh, I've done uh, last year did a bunch of work with the NHL among the, about around their corporate social responsibility. Um, and you know, I, I really enjoy any kind of sports work, but anytime there's like a kind of political tie-in, you know, like they're like with Washington baseball, that's what I really enjoy doing the most. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. How how long have you uh, been been doing that as well? I've been there for about four years. So um, I was a journalist with the Associated Press for about sixteen years. Um, did a beat on the intersection of sports and politics, which kind of got me into this this into this area, and uh, and then left APA about uh, about four years ago. Interesting. Interesting. I bet that was a very interesting beat. I love beats that are intersection beats <laughs> that are like manufacturing and politics, or manufacturing and government, or whatever. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. I think I was a little ahead of my time because with uh, President Trump now, I think it would have been a much more interesting beat than it was back then. Yeah, I, I have no doubt for sure, especially, you know, where, where all those things come together. And so we've been talking about your book. What uh, what book is next for you? I know you've, you've written more than one, but we've just been talking about this most recent one. What What are you working on ahead? Well, actually, I just finished a new edition of this book. Um, it, it's going to be coming out in the spring. Um, Chuck Todd has, write, has written the forward to it, uh, so that's the, that's my biggest project at the moment. That's that's no small project. <laughs> Getting a forward written by by someone with a profile <laughs> like that is uh, that's no small task at all. Um, any any other uh, book news you can share beyond that? Like a, maybe a, what you'd love to tackle next. Uh, that's a great question. Um, nothing that comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, I have to give that some thought, but I appreciate you uh, you checking in on that. Yeah, it's all good. You know, because sometimes people give really wild answers, and, and people are like, oh, you know, like someone's listening that could make that happen or would be a good source for it. So you never know. You never know. All right, well, we're, start- we're starting yeah. to kind of wind down the time a little bit, but uh, I, of course, want to ask you, here we are. We're about a month out, a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting. What is your prediction for the Nationals in the year ahead? Well, I'm not that good at making predictions as far as like who will be in the World Series. I, I think for sure the Nationals will make the playoffs again. Um, you know, they have. It's always hard to repeat in baseball. There's uh, a couple things working against you. One is there's a sort of a typical uh, hangover effect from the year before. Then um, you might lose some key players. The Nationals certainly did with Anthony Rendon, um, and they're trying to maybe sign Josh Allenson, but it looks like that probably isn't going to happen. So you've got uh, you've got those two things working against you. But on the other hand, they've made some really big pickups in the offseason. They've solidified their bullpen, which is actually the worst bullpen of any team to make the playoffs ever. Um, last year, so uh, it was kind of amazing that they were able to, to overcome that, and it shouldn't be. Uh, it should actually be a strength instead of weakness next year. So I think that they'll uh, they'll be back in it in the playoffs, and then you know once it happens, kind of all bets are off. It's just who gets hot at the right time. That's right, and I think it'll be an interesting time to, uh, you know, to be in D.C. during an election year, but also kind of a lot of people looking at sports with new eyes. Right? There's probably a little bit of bandwagonism. I know that happens here a lot. We have a big winner, and suddenly there's right. like Blackhawks <laughs> fans coming out of the woodwork that were not Blackhawks fans before, things like that. So I think that'll be interesting. It seems like a lot of things to watch at one time in in one town is what it sounds like. Absolutely. It's going to, you're right about 2020 is going to be incredibly, uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff going on in Washington sports-wise and certainly political-wise.
Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, we will check in with you perhaps later in the season, see how things are going and uh, check in about that, that where, where politics are intersecting with it, too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm going to be sure and tweet out links to the book and to all the good stuff and some of some recent work that you've done there. So thanks so much for your time, Frederick Fromer. Appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. So, you know, that was, uh, I think that's so interesting. Like I said, I love where history intersects with other stuff. And I could tell, Curtis, I could tell you were like, let me ask him a thing. I got a thing. I got a thing. <laughs> I appreciate that you jumped in with that. Cause you, I mean, you're in, you're deeper in sports than I am. I'm, I'm a fan and I watch and I enjoy. Yeah. Well, now, that's, that's part of my stuff here. I, I do. That's your thing. White Sox coverage. I do the Blackhawks yeah. coverage. I mean, I'm all over the place with sports stuff here. Now, Bears. Horse racing. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I will go toe-to-toe with anybody on horse racing. I will talk about that all day long. You got some insider scoops for us? I've picked several of the last nine derby winners. Wow. This was a thing. All right. Harry Tynowitz and I used to talk about this all the time. I really enjoy, because I'll like get the racing format. I just pick the best names that I like. Well, there's the there's the hunch bet for sure. People yeah. just be like, um, that jockey's wearing my favorite color. That's my lucky number. This and this. Now, you got to look at that horse. You got to look at weather. You got to track the weather coming up for the Derby. You got to look at weather patterns. You got to look at not only the sire, but also the mare. Is this horse a mutter? You got to look at their last 16 races. You got to see what they've doing. You got to get Wow. Them. You don't All play. Right. Yeah. You don't play around with that. <laughs> so I, you. I look at that because I, I think, I think. That while there's plenty of things you can say, okay, this is that horse's sire, so yeah. therefore I think, you know, he has this characteristic. A lot of their temperament comes from the mare. I Got believe it. this. So there's some horses that if you if it's a little bit of drizzle, they don't care. It's on a muddy track yet. They'll just run, 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 run. They don't care. They don't care. When it gets muddy, that's when you're like, this horse does not like running in slop. They don't like it, right? So you've got horses, but but there's things like when there's a little bit of drizzle on their face, they get mad and they start flicking their head around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's from the mare. The mare does. You got to find out stuff. All right, you, these are things. Horse racing expert over here. I like it. Well, I don't. I I don't know if you were. I I don't think you were here, but there was a year. Maybe six or seven years ago. No, I wasn't here at that okay. point. Okay, maybe five. I don't know. Time all, I don't know. Jumbles. I've just hit over two years being here. Is that right? Yep. Oh my gosh, I feel like you've been here for so long. I'm <laughs> like, you're what, just such a, you're like me. a permanent fixture here. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like that. I can't imagine before. Um, anyway, I, there, when I used to come on right, right after sports on Saturdays, one time they were talking about the Derby and I totally disagreed. So I like came in on the break to do crosstalk and I was like, guys, I don't agree with your assessment, and here's why. And we came back, and and um, Carm and Tynowitz were like, "Okay, take us to school. What's up?" And I was like, "Here's who you got, and here's why." And I started just mapping out. I was like, "Here's gonna. This is your trifecta pick. But if you want to go like an exact wheel, do this." Blah, blah, blah. And I just started going about all the betting. Having worked with the two of them, I can picture exactly how their faces are. Oh when yeah, you started going Both off. Of, yeah. That, I think that might be when, when Tynowitz started going, "Go, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing that thing." Yeah, both of them were like huh, what just happened? And it was a whole thing. And so ever since then, they like Tynowitz and I would always talk about like, what's the, what's the horse plan for this new race coming up? I like it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to consult you about some picks when it comes to the Derby time. Cause Please I do, do like the Super Bowl prop bets. Mm-hmm. I've, like won, prop I've bet. won money on that, that sort of stuff. The biggest one I won was uh, the Gatorade being tossed on last year. <laughs> nice. That was, that was the, I won, I think uh, a couple hundred bucks from that. Which prop better on Gatorade? There was a couple. There was one, uh, what color Gatorade would yeah, be the, dumped okay, that was over the, the coach. Yeah, that was the one I saw. The winning coach. And it was like red, yellow, blue, green, um, pink, you know, all that. What was different it? Colors. It was blue. Nice. So I, I won that. 
Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> I think I think Orange was the favorite. Yes. But I was like, well, if you look at the two teams, none of them have... Orange. Orange. <laughs> it was blue and yellow and blue and silver. So your odds for blue are pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I'm with you on that. I love that kind of stuff. That's so fun. I also did the like over-under on the anthem. Oh. Because they have like the over-under set for like, oh, yeah. like a, a minute and a half set for the... Yeah. over under of the length of the anthem and then you gotta see who's singing it and there's always you know. a bunch of weird ones around this the halftime show yeah that are funny and weird and yeah yeah now when it comes to horses i'm just like let's pick some numbers and do the thing all right we got to take a break more things coming up on the other side of that break here on 720 wgn